Thrilled to have in studio with me my good friend, patriotic historian, former Army Ranger Ben Martin. And so let's jump in here on the Federalist Papers. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here again, Ken, as you know. And we try, as I said before, when we were talking at break, I try to simplify this as much as we possibly can so people can comprehend all of the great things that go into the making of the Federalist Paper, which really undermines or underlies what we did in the Constitution, the framing of the Constitution. So if you need to, if you want to understand the Constitution in depth, you need to understand the Federalist Papers. Right. And these were essays by James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay to make the case, right? Exactly. 85, 85 essays in all. They start, they would, when they started, they thought there would be between 20 and 25. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it kept developing and, and it, didn't develop, and so you were into minutiae, you were into real principles. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about, first of all, to, to review where we've been, because this is a break point for us. Okay. We're still talking about the first volume of the Federalist Papers, and that first volume was called Union, and it was it was numbers, essays number one through 36. And so we've talked about, we've come this far where we've talked about the introduction, the outline, the reasons for the Federalist Papers. We talked about the background of the authors of the Federalist Papers. And we talked about several things, the overall structure and contents. We talked about the best reference for use in studying the Federalist Papers, the Signet Classic Mm -hmm. that we talked about before, and the introductions. And we talked about the uh, the introduction there, how important it is for everybody to understand, and I recommend people read that as many times as they can to get an overall understanding of the Federalist Papers, and we talked about that. We emphasized that. We also talked about the, the subdivisions of utility. We talked about the several dangers from foreign forces and from influence. Then we talked about also the dangers of dissension among or between the states, and then we went into number nine and number 10, which are very important. Number 10 is the most referenced, the most read, the most quoted of, of all of the federal essays, number 10. And did Am- Hamilton write that one? No, no, no. That one. Hamilton wrote number nine, in, which was the, kind of the introduction to get to number 10. Number okay. 10 was written by Madison. Okay. You'll find probably the second most important one was number 51, and that was also written by Madison. And the reason I want to talk about that when we go into the second one is, it's between the spring of 86 and the spring of 87 when, the, when we started. You know, we started in May for the Constitutional Convention. Jefferson got, I mean Jefferson, Madison got into this real intense study of all of the different, of of the history of all of the different confederacies and their constitutions. And he produced two papers which are very important today. The first paper that he produced was called The Vices of Government, which he really took a strong and hard look at not only the Confederation, the Articles of Confederation, which we were under, and all the problems we were having with that, which is reflected in this first part, the Union. And then he also looked at the, the he, he produced notes on all of the old confederacies from the ancient to the modern, mm-hmm. all of those that existed today. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. But before we leave the first subdivision, which is called the Utility of Union, we're going to go to number 14, which is still in that first part. And it's a summary. It's a capstone of all of the things that happened before. And this okay. happens in, in all of those subdivisions as you go through the Federalist Papers. The last 
essay normally is a capstone and a summary of what's going on. Okay. So if I can talk about the first, the f- number 14 again and the, the, the importance of that, it summarizes the dangers and the fixes from the union that we had talked about before. If I can have one little passage here, there was the necessity of union as our bulk work against foreign danger the conservator of peace among ourselves, which is the domestic problems, uh, and then the guardian of our commerce and other common interests as the only substitute for those military establishments which subverted the liberties of the old world. And so we're talking about that. So those are you can see the things that Madison was talking about in the papers he wrote about the about the governments of the old and, and all the historic problems they had with that. And one of the things he talks about, and, and that it really reflects on what's going on today, the founders did not like democracy. They had seen over and over again the problems with democracy. And it really bothers me today that on most of the the news and the commentary you see today, you see our democracy, our democracy, our democracy. And the and the founders said, so I'm going to give the quote that they talk about in number nine and number 10 that talks about democracy again. And they, they basically said democracies have ever been spectacles. And spectacles is a really mm-hmm. bad word. Spectacles of turbulence and confrontation. And they said they they have been the they have been contra to personal security and the rights of property and they said they have been what what distinguishes them from everybody else is that they have been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths and that's what they thought about democracy because you could have the tyranny of the mob the tyranny of the mob and we talk, they talk about that in this first section that we're leaving right now. And in the second, well, we also talk about the tyranny, and we'll talk about that because that was in here too. That's also part of the summary, the tyranny of the minority against the majority, which we were really having there, which locks the government up and, and you can't do the things that you were supposed to do. And, and the evidence of that or the examples of that that they cite was under the Articles of Confederation. You had to have a majority of nine of the 13. That's a pretty high majority. You had to, and that's the same majority that we have to have to pass. So you had to have nine of the 13 to approve something. To approve of the, something, of the colonies. which is kind of like a supermajority. Yeah. It's not just a one majority. And then you had the tyranny of one. If you wanted to do anything to change the Articles of Confederation, you had to have a complete, you had to, it had to be unanimous. So one state like Rhode Island or Connecticut, a small state, could, could subvert anything that they tried to do, which happened many, many times. So as they were working on the Constitution, uh, they, they were looking at both this tyranny of, of, the, majority. of the majority, but also the tyranny of the minority. And so they were trying to figure out something in between there that's going to work, right? It's going to work, but it's going to still protect individual rights. You couldn't take away individual rights, this force that you're talking mm-hmm. about, force versus reason. And they talk about, remember, in the, in the first of all of the essays when they talk about how we... Is it possible, that big question, is it possible for man through reason and deliberation 
to to establish a good government or whether we will always be dependent upon force to establish our government, force and accident. And so that was the big question. Like, do can we do it? Do we have the capability? Because we have never seen that in, in the annals of human history. And so this is the part when they, when they finish up, and we're talking 14, where we are, the capstone for that first part, the first discussion, this is the two, or, two that I would really like to quote in here. And it said, is, is it not the glory of America that whilst they have paid a decent regard to the opinions of former times in other nations, they have not suffered a blind veneration of antiquity for customs or for names, which is heredity, or not to overrule the suggestions of their own good sense, the knowledge of their own situation, and the lessons of their own experience. To this manly spirit, prosperity will be indebted for the possession and the world for the example of the numerous innovations that have been displayed on the American theater in the favor of private rights and public happiness. Those are the two basic objectives of our Constitution, mm-hmm. private rights and public happiness, or what they call the general welfare. Okay. And then they said, happily for America, happily we trust for the whole human race. Because they were looking at that when Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence and Madison and, Je- and Hamilton put forth this frame of constitution, they were looking at that not only for ourselves, but for the example that we can set for the whole world to, be, to become under this new government, it, which we talked about first in number nine, when Hamilton talked about the new science of government, and then it's expanded more and goes into more depth by Madison in number 10, which I told you that's Mm -hmm. the most famous of all of the essays. Okay. Okay, and so he says, Happily for America, and we trust for the whole human race, that they pursued a new and more noble course. They accomplished a revolution which has no parallels in the annals of human society. They reared the fabrics of government which have no model on the face of the globe. They form the design of a great confederacy, which it is incumbent upon their successors to improve and perpetuate. And that is the challenge that our founders gave to us. If you want to keep the blessings of liberty, you have to know what we've done. You have to know what is our heritage, and you have to work to preserve it and to make it better to improve it. You know, before we go to break, there's two things that I see that is very dangerous that's happening in our society. And first of all, I've had um, Roberta Sutton on. She's written this important book, What You Don't Know That Your Kids Don't Know. And she she has been substituting uh, teaching in the Jefferson County School District. But this could be any of our metro school districts. And uh, she said that in, in English class, one of the English classes that she was teaching, instead of the great literature, Shakespeare, you know, the, the literature from over history, that they are pulling <clears throat> literature from just the last 15 years. And she said, so much of it is so dark. You know, when we're so concerned about our kids, we talk about mental health, you know, to, to continue at school, to to say to these, you know, white, little white guys that, hey, you know, you are a problem and not teach great literature. Uh, that is really of great concern. And then, so we're not learning our history. We're not reading the great writings, but then we're also tearing down our history. 
Exactly. And uh, that that no, we have no heroes anymore. And that's that's the basic platform of progressivism, which is based upon nihilism, which says, you know, there there are no timeless uh, established foundational virtues. You know, there, there's nothing, there's, so no, there's no right foundation. versus no wrong. People are, 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 they're twisting in the wind, and that's what we're seeing that we are teaching in our school districts now. And um, It leads to depression, and it leads to anxiety, and it leads to revolt, which we're seeing in a, in a lot of places right now. It leads to anarchy, which we talked about before, and the founders talk about that in the 200-year cycle, 200 cycle of, of governments, and that it leads to finally... The anarchy leads to despotism, where you have to have somebody come in and take control of that place, and so you give them complete power to do whatever they want, and they're not controlled by a constitution. Okay, so in number 14, it, this is what we have to do. We have to, um, it's incumbent on their successors, on us, to improve and perpetuate these good things from the Constitution. Ben Martin, let's go to break. When we come back, let's continue on. Uh, This is our important conversation regarding the Federalist Papers, which were written by Hamilton, Madison, and Jay, to make the case for ratification of the U.S. Constitution. We'll be right back. Ben Martin, um, you are a patriotic historian. You uh, are a former Army Ranger. We're talking about the Federalist Papers. And one of the things that we, we had just mentioned in essay number 14 of the Federalist Papers, it said that the, the founders in the Constitution were working towards protecting private rights and encouraging public happiness. You know, I was just thinking on private rights. We had mentioned the red flag bill mm-hmm. here. Uh, once again, this is where government now can just come into your house. We talked about this, uh, this thing up in Minnesota what, what, what was the name of that again? Anyway, uh, from Minnesota, it is Help Me Grow, yeah. where, once again, they can come in to and your house. Children instead of guns. Yeah, this is uh, antithetical to private rights. Exactly. We're in a dangerous time right now. It is. That's why we have to know what we believe what, and we why we believe We have to know it. what we believe. And uh, Wilson's, uh, you know, James Wilson, who was, who was the second m- most prolific contributors to the discussions in the Constitutional Convention, he said at the end of the Constitutional Convention, in, in a great speech that he'd given in the yard of the, of the Independence Hall, and he said, and it's really key, and it's one of the things, that we talk about what a patriot is, and a patriot is someone who loves his country. And, and he said this, and you can see what's been happening through the hundred years of progressivism, the brainwashing that has happened in our public education because of progressives. And it, it talks about this. He said, in order for something to become a, an item of your heart, it first must become the item of your head. You know, you have to learn this before you can love it, mm-hmm. is what he's saying. And that goes back to patriotism to love your country and it's saying you he what he's saying is if you can screw with somebody's head if you can interrupt their learning of what was the great heritage of our country and our founders then you can you can disrupt this love for our country which means you can eradicate patriotism from our society 
And that's what's happening through all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And so it's very important that we go back to the Federalist Papers, as Jefferson called them, the greatest commentary on the science of government which was ever written. And he could have thrown in there the greatest commentary on the science of our government ever written, mm-hmm. which is, that's the, that's the basis, as, as Madison said, or, I'm sorry, as, as uh, James Wilson said, for patriotism, for the love of our country. We have to first know what our country is, and that's why what you were talking about before, it's not being taught in our schools. And, and that was what was so critical in our founding was it was taught in the homes, you know, and that, that's one of the most important roles that women had in the establishment of this great government, this great nation that we have, and that they taught that to their children in the homes. And we're not doing that today either. Well, and, and that's one of the, the, the big things of radical feminism is they do not uphold motherhood. Right. Uh, you know, and then they're, uh, you know, saying to a lot of young girls now, or young people that the planet is overpla- uh, overpopulated, don't have kids. And this is a big lie. Yes, it, it is. is a big lie. Let me get to this part now. We're, we're, okay. in, we're in the second part, and this is the insufficiencies, what the founders called the insufficiencies of the present confederation. These are the essays 15 through 22, eight essays. And of the eight essays, they're all, they're all collected into two titles. And the first title is the insufficiency of the present confederation to preserve the union. We talked about in the first subdivision the utility of the union, how the union is important to keep our country together and to perpetuate this improved science of government we have. And now this is talking about the vices of government, the the insufficiencies of government, which are in our Articles of Confederation, which we're trying to replace in the Constitutional Convention by our Constitution. And so one of the first big things, and it's covered in 15 and 16, and it talks about this great and radical device. Now, I hope everyone's thinking out there right now, what is this great and radical device? And that was one of the things that they talked about was that the government under the Articles of Confederation worked on the states and not the individual. And that's one of the unique things about our Constitution is that it works on the people, the individuals, and not upon the states. And that's that's a really critical thing, and that's one of the underlying themes that goes throughout our Constitution. And it, we talk about how we have to work on the state, not on the states, because w- working on the states with little power from the central government, for, toward the central government, we could not tax, we could not collect taxes, we could not raise an army, we could not get the states really, if the states didn't want to contribute, there, there was no power in the central government to make them so the, and so that was under the Articles of Confederation. The, okay. Yeah, that's what all this is about, the vices of government, the insufficiency of the government. We're talking about the present government that the founders are under right there, okay. and that's the Articles of Confederation. So that is a really big thing, and it's talked about through, throughout these things, but it's especially talked about in the first and second. And then we go on. To the, to the uh, 17th and the 18th, it's still under the same subject. And so I would like to maybe uh, say in the 19th is the same way, too. They start talking about the, and this is, again, going back to Madison. Even, even though Hamilton's writing this, Madison brought all of this out in the Constitutional Convention. And you have to remember that Hamilton 
and Madison were both active members. You know, Madison, of course, more active, and he led most discussions. He led into most discussions. And so a lot of the things that, that I'm telling you that Madison came up with in this intense study period that he did for a year before going into the Constitutional Convention came out in the Constitutional Convention and comes out in here. And a lot of it was Hamilton's work. But Hamilton, being a brilliant man himself, learned a lot from Madison. So we talk about that. And then he talks about different different uh, ancient governments. Okay. okay. And one of those was the German government. One of them, of course, was ancient Greece, uh-huh. and then he talks about the Netherlands, and, and he talks about the deficiencies that they have in there and the, to show that what happened to those things, and then so that we can see this is happening under the Articles of Confederation, and we have to guard against it. Okay. And then we go into number 21 and 22, the last two, where we talk about what can happen, the other defects of the present considerations, uh, the con- present confederation and so i just want to go into two different things in number 21 they first state number 21 talks about taxation and in particular in there about the power of taxation and how it can be abused by the government duh and 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 that's right but you know we talk about art laffer in the in the present administration as being a financial advisor and also in the Reagan administration Mm -hmm. being a financial advisor and and all of great things that came to our economy that. And we talk about Laffer there. But I remember talking with you before in Mali last year when we talked about this thing. And I said, when you all had, we're going to have Laffer on. And Mm -hmm. I said, be sure to ask him about Article 21 or SA 21 about how it was a forerunner of the Laffer. And let me read you the quote. If duties, or you can say taxes, are too high, they lessen the consumption. The collection, the collection of taxes, is eluded, and the product to the treasury is not so great as when they are confined within proper and moderate bounds. That's just a that's the original that's statement the Laffer of the curve Laffer right curve. there. So that's just something I thought that everybody should know about. And it says, and then the, another one is the natural cure for for an ill administration in a popular or representative constitution, which ours is. And they're they're kind of making the the comparison there. The cure for that is a change of men, and that's what we do by our elections. And that's not a democracy. That's a republic. It's a constitutional republic. It's a constitutional republic. And then I'll, I'll finish up by a, a last, pub, a last uh, quote from number 22, which, again, is the capstone of that subdivision. And it says, the fabric of the American empire ought to rest on the solid basis of the consent of the people. The stream of national power ought to flow from the pure original fountain of all legitimate authority in our Constitution. Isn't that amazing? That is pretty amazing. Uh, We the people, you know, uh, I think Maggie Thatcher said that America is the only country that was founded on an idea. Exactly. And that's what makes us so unique. So, uh, Ben Martin, thank you. We're going to have to have you back. So our quote for today is Alexander Hamilton. He said, in politics as in religion, it is equally absurd to aim at making proselytes by fire and sword. Heresies in either can rarely be cured by persecution. 
So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.